Bidzy's Small Business Society, number 106. You're listening to Bidzy's Small Business Society. I'm Rob Barisoff. We talk to small business owners about what makes their small business successful. Connect with Bidzy's Small Business Society at bidzy.com and grow your business. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers post projects for free in any of over 100 categories, including all types of home renovation, landscaping, cleaning services, photography, and many, many more. Now, if you're a business, Bidzy.com is a great way to find new customers because you are automatically notified each time a customer posts a project in your subscribed categories. So for example, let's say you own a roofing company and a customer posts a project in our roofing category. You are automatically notified via email or text and you can submit a bid at bidzy.com or use our internal chat system to introduce yourself to the customer and give them reasons why they should use you to complete their project. Monthly subscriptions start at $14.99. That's $14.99 per month for unlimited access to new customers and unlimited bidding at bidzy.com. Email rob at bidzy.com for more details or start your 30-day free trial now at bidzy.com. Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to this episode of Bidzy Small Business Society. Today, I am joined by Devin D. Thorpe. Devin is an author, journalist, speaker, and champion of social good. He is building a movement to change the world by supporting the work of change agents who will do it. I'll let him get into the specifics, but Devin has worked with some highly significant organizations and people and has created content and programs that empower people to make positive change not only in their organizations and their lives, but on the world as a whole. Welcome to the show, Devin. Thanks for making some time for me today. Can you first tell us more about yourself than about what projects you're working on today? Well, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to have the opportunity. You know, I'm I'm an old finance guy and, and uh, had a long finance career, uh, about 25 years, and then uh, shifted gears uh, about five years ago when I got fired from my great job as the CFO of a global corporation and, and uh, went to China for a year, wrote a book called Your Mark on the World, and began to evolve what I'm doing until it really began to uh, mature, I guess, into what it is today when I started writing for Forbes nearly four years ago. Uh, and and it was at that point that, uh, without realizing it, I sort of became a, a journalist. And about a year or two ago, I guess, it became clear to me that's really where my passion was. I was spending most of my time on journalism and writing books and so I've I've tried to find ways now to uh, to monetize that uh, to, and to allow me to pursue that passion uh, permanently but uh, all of this in the last five years that I've done has been with the eye toward uh, doing good and more recently I focused that into a more of a specific objective and and it's uh, you know, it's a simple goal. All I want to do is solve all of the world's big problems in the next 30 years. It's a simple, easy goal. Not a <laughs> <Real> big deal. <laughs> but, but what I did is I look back at over the last 30 years, I, I've written extensively about polio eradication. And what I find is that polio eradication is great in and of itself. 
But in the grand scheme of things, it's a tiny thing. But the effort was so huge, and you would be shocked to learn how huge it is. This far exceeds any imagination you can come up with how big this effort has been. But what it proves is that when we put our minds to it, we can do incredible things. And I'm convinced that because we have so much more technology, so much more money than we did 30 years ago as a globe, that the problems we can tackle over the next 30 years uh, will be overwhelming to us. I mean, in that we will be able to solve problems that we thought were permanent parts of the human condition. And in fact, we will we will eliminate them. Uh, you know, extreme poverty, that should go away. Blindness should go away. Cancer should go away. And, and I know people are going to say, oh, you can't do that. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, you've a lot of what we think of as permanent parts of the human condition are not permanent. We can change them, and over the next 30 years, we will. And you and I are both young enough to appreciate that we will be alive in 30 years to see it. Absolutely, and I think it's hard for us to really understand this, but this technology has a snowball effect, an exponential sort of growth pattern, right? Yeah, absolutely, and that's one of the exciting things is that Computing power is now approaching a, a point where artificial intelligence is doing things that we thought maybe never would be done. I, I remember in college, uh, a guy came in and gave us a lecture about uh, trying to get computers to drive a car. And, and the conclusion he reached was computers will never be fast enough to do what humans do in driving a car. It will never happen. And yet today, we see self-driving cars on the roads. It, it, it's happening around us. And so I think we will see all kinds of advances. And yes, in, on the technology front, artificial intelligence especially, uh, I think, will define the next 30 years as we use artificial intelligence to help us dramatically accelerate research uh, in, the, in the sciences. Very interesting stuff. Uh, yeah, and I want to talk about the significance of the year 2045 to you. But uh, first, I just want to say I've been following a lot of uh, Ray Kurzweil stuff. Are you familiar with this stuff? Only a little bit. Only a little bit. He's a serious futurist, and I'm, I'm an amateur. It's definitely an interesting take on the melding of man and machine. Now, Devin, you've had a long and decorated educational, professional, and entrepreneurial career. What steered you towards doing social good, especially when it seems anyway that People are more focused on themselves or making money, et cetera. Now, it's interesting. There is this phenomenon we can see and measure, and a lot of people have talked about this, that the uh, millennial generation is more socially aware, more socially conscious than prior generations. And this manifests itself in some interesting ways, but typically uh, millennials seem to want to have a more holistic life. They want their career infused with purpose that is uh, aligned with their value system. And that's causing companies to have to do things a little bit different than they've done them in the past. They've got to be more socially aware so that they can attract uh, young talent. At the same time, what doesn't get much press and what I think is going on is that we are all influenced by this same phenomenon. Whatever is defining millennials, and I'm not smart enough to know what, what created this generation of people that's more socially aware, 
But it's also influencing all of us. Those same factors, whatever they are, are influencing all of us. And I'm just part of that group, right? So my I'm being influenced, as are you, as is just about everyone else on the planet, to be a little bit more socially aware than we've been in the past. Like calling someone a millennial doesn't necessarily separate them from the pack. I mean, we're all living this the same experience is what you're saying, I think, right? Yeah, to some extent, to some extent. Now, uh, those of us who are older than millennials have different experiences that they haven't had that help to define us. But but we are being drawn in to this more social aware uh, community uh, by the mere existence of the millennials, if nothing else. But I think the factors that made them more socially aware are making us, although we may be less socially aware as a generation, as a cohort, uh, I think we are becoming more social, socially aware day by day, uh, more aware of the environment, global warming and climate change and, and uh, social injustice and poverty. I think all of those things are becoming more important to all of us. And I'm kind of just caught up in that whole process. Absolutely. And maybe the millennials, the up and comers are the influencers and they're just catching everybody in their net, which is fine. But uh, Devin, how some actionable stuff, how are they living this more holistic life? How can we live this more holistic life when it seems like we're just bombarded by advertising and uh, sort of an individualistic lifestyle and social media? How do we sort of live that more holistic life? Again, maybe two or three actionable points. Yeah. I, so I'm a, I'm a finance guy, right? And so I think about it through that lens. And, and so I, I, I like to say that money's only real value is the good you can do with it. And if you begin to sort of look at life a little bit through that lens and appreciate that uh, the only reason to accumulate money is to do something good with it, that um, the sooner we do the good, the better. Uh, no reason to delay that. So there, there are some key things that we can think about. But one is that I encourage people in my book, Your Mark on the World, uh, to, to live uh, wisely and frugally specifically so that they can start giving money now uh, at an earlier point in life, so that they're not deferring it. You know, the old, the old model was have a career, make money, and then as you retire and maybe die, then you give your money to charity. And although that allows for that money to accumulate into a larger dollar amount, you're deferring the good you're doing. And so the, the new model is let's do good all along the way. So maybe it starts with 20 bucks a month, but I hope it grows and becomes two, three, four, five, six percent of your of your income. And, you know, if you look at your household income and you say, wow, you know, we, we're making one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year together, one spouse and I. And you say, wow, you know, that's six percent of 180 grand you know you're starting to talk about real money you know it's like 10 grand a year you could be giving away if you do that for 20 30 years suddenly you're talking about having given away a six-figure amount of money in fact multiple six figures and and you might have said to yourself well I'll never be able to make a grant to an organization of of a hundred thousand dollars or a quarter million dollars but in fact you really can once you you develop it. So one of the key things in my mind is certainly to do good uh, with your money. Uh, 
I think it's also a great thing to think about how you can um, use your time for good. Uh, I, I did a story about two weeks ago uh, with the uh, president of the U.S. Bank Foundation and got talking to her about a study that uh, they had done that showed that uh, volunteering in the community is off dramatically over the last 40 years. And so they're running a campaign to try and get people to start volunteering again. And I think that's really an important message. If you were to volunteer uh, your time in a way that is consistent with the way you're donating your money, it really allows you to expand your influence. Because what is likely to happen is over time, as you consistently give money to a cause and give time to that cause, especially if it's a single organization, what will happen is you will become a decision maker. Ultimately, you'll you'll be invited to serve on committees. You'll be invited to serve on the board. And pretty soon, you will be deciding not just where your money goes in support of the organization, but where the organization directs its time, effort, and impact. And so you see that, that there's a tremendous synergy that comes from giving time and money to the same place because it allows you then not only to have influence as a volunteer and influence as a donor, but also influence as a leader. And, and that's where the real synergy comes in. So I would say give your time, give your money. And I think that's a good start and a good basis for our, our discussion today, Rob. Yeah, and of course, the cumulative effect of across the population with time and money is going to affect some real change, I think, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the scale starts to get really dramatic. If you start thinking about uh, lots and lots of Americans, millions of Americans figuring out how to go from giving $500 a year to giving $5,000 a year, and you think about uh, millions doing that, you're talking about obviously billions and billions of dollars going into causes. And then if you add, uh, you know, 100 hours from each one of those people times millions of people, you're talking millions of volunteer hours. Again, huge, huge differences. So Yeah, it sure is. Now, Devin, this could be extremely broad, but uh, I hope you can narrow it down and tie it up uh, for us really nicely. But uh, the year 2045 is a significant one for you. What challenges lie ahead between now and then? Yeah, so my, my thinking on that is simply that I really focused this goal to, to see the world solve some of its biggest problems by within 30 years last year. So do the math. It's 2045. So it's not that there's something special about 2045. It is that there is something special about 30 years. And the special thing is uh, that... Uh, that's the span of time, I think, that is required to solve a big world problem. Um, now, every problem will vary, but I think the point I've learned from polio eradication is you can take an enormous problem and solve it in that period of time. Uh, so I think some of the big opportunities for us, first, the biggest opportunity that's sort of right on our doorstep is the eradication of extreme poverty. There are about, depending on who counts and how they count, but there are somewhere on the order of a billion people in the world who are food insecure and living on less than about $1.95 a day per person. So those folks, um, in general, um, 
don't really have much opportunity to progress uh, because their incomes are so low, they're not meeting the most basic needs. So imagine that you are not getting uh, a nutritional diet that allows you to be healthy. Just hard to wrap our heads around in North America, you bet. Yeah, but but you've got dysentery half the time uh, or more. Uh, you're, you're lethargic on your best days. And those kinds of folks struggle even to go to work. And, and so some of our concepts, our American do-it-yourself, pull-yourself-up-by-the-bootstrap concepts don't work real well for people living at that level of society. And so we've got to find ways to help them into uh, the global economy in some way where they can participate in a real job in uh, real income generating activities, give them access to some basic health care, et cetera, et cetera, so that they have uh, an opportunity. Well, the UN and the World Bank and other big multilateral organizations have been really thoughtful about that. And they started in earnest working on that with the Millennium Development Goals uh, 15 years ago. And, and their goal was then to make a radical reduction in poverty over the last 15 years, ending in 2015. And they weren't as successful as they wanted to be, but they certainly made progress. The percentage of people living in abject poverty on the planet dropped pretty dramatically. I think it went from about 30% to about 15% during that 15 years. So real progress was made, but not as much as they'd hoped. Now, over the next 15 years, the goal is literally to eradicate extreme poverty. And the World Bank defines that achievement as getting the number of people living in, in uh, extreme poverty below 3%. Their theory is that because of a variety of you know, economic, natural disaster, conflict-related disruptions, that there will always be a few people living in abject poverty, they say. But but once we get down to 3%, we're essentially at zero. And so their goal is to do that within the next 15 years, by 2030. So it's easy for us to be thinking about uh, having done that completely with by 2045. Easy for me to talk about it when the UN, the World Bank are talking about it, doing it in the next 15 years. So it's uh, that's a, a great example. Uh, people push back when I talk about this with respect to cancer. But, but I've started talking to people who are now talking about, for some cancers, we now have treatments that qualify as a cure. For generations, you know, the treatments for cancer have been so marginally effective that they're not ever called cures. They're, you know, you go into remission and you hope you stay in remission, but you're never cured. But that thinking is beginning to change because some of the new treatments are so incredibly effective that they're now being called cures. There are also uh, some exciting things being done in, the, in cancer detection and prevention. And so it really is conceivable that in 2045, will people still get cancer? Yes. But will we have a way to treat all cancer so people don't die of cancer? Will we have ways to detect it early and often? Yes. So will it be a public health concern in 2045? I think we can eliminate it as a public health concern by 2045. So that's an exciting thing. 
blindness blows people's minds, but through a combination of new technologies and drugs and therapies, it's looking to me like, yeah, we could we could eliminate blindness. At least a lot of the things we think of as causes of blindness uh, can be cured by, by 2045. So very exciting things. Even some of these that just seem like, what? <laughs> I think we'll be able to do. Wow. Big vision, big passion, Devin. I mean, these, again, are big visions, but I think we can start on the ground, just as a solopreneur, an entrepreneur, just a small business owner, or just a person living in the world. We can start on the ground by finding a community. And if we can't find one, we can create one and really strive to affect that change. Now, I want to talk about how you're uh, connecting with your community. What is the most effective way that you're finding and growing your audience? Well, I have a lot of fun on social media. And, you know, clearly, that's the broadly speaking, that's the tool, right, is social media. That's how we communicate uh, one to many these days, and it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and it's fun being able to call Facebook time your work time. <laughs> uh, but I, I, for me, the two most effective are uh, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, and I have very different uh, relationships with people on Facebook and Twitter. I have more fun on Facebook uh, relationships tend to be deeper, but also with a smaller group of people. Uh, Twitter tends to be a larger group of people with whom I have some common interest, uh, shared passion, and uh, but but tend not to be as deep. Uh, the relationships there, our interactions, uh, more limited by the very nature of the of Twitter. So. Great tools there. I have yet to master Instagram. I have an Instagram account, uh, but it, I haven't figured out really how to uh, master that community. I am not young and cool enough to have taken <laughs> to that natively, but I'm trying to learn. I'm hoping I can be taught. Uh, I have a Snapchat account, but I haven't even figured out how to add my friends yet. So that, that I've got a long way to go there. Anyway, I think social media is is the key. And, you know, with 2 billion people or something on Facebook, I think it's silly to ignore it, uh, even if it's not cool like uh, Snapchat anymore. Uh, and I think uh, Twitter is a, a great tool for discovering, meeting, finding people with a shared interest and building a community. Now, can you tell us how important is it to have a coach or a mentor in business or in life in general? I think the there's tremendous value in a coach and a mentor, no, no question about it. But I'm going to flip your question just a little bit. I'm going to go 90 degrees from there, and I want to talk about a role model, which is a little different thing. And I've discovered in the last year or two the value of a role model, and that is a... A, a mentor is someone you can talk to, meet with. A role model may not be. Now, it may be someone you can talk to, and that's all the better if it is. But, but for instance, for me, I ultimately identified uh, uh, the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Nicholas Kristof as a role model. He does everything I do but just way, way better. So he writes for the New York Times. Uh, he and won a Pulitzer Prize for his work in China. I've been to China, spent a year in China, but I'm not as cool as he is. Um, haven't won any Pulitzer Prizes yet. 
yet. I, I say like yet. That. Yeah. Like I like it's <laughs> at any moment it could happen. But um, but he he uh, he also has written several books. Brilliant, brilliant books. And he has also a popular speaker. He gets like $35,000 a speech. So I look at him and I say, okay, he's a role model. And so whenever I want to know what to do, I look at what Nicholas Kristof is doing. I follow him on social media. I read his articles. So I know all the time what he's doing. And and it gives me something very clear to emulate, to follow a, a specific example. Now, it's helpful that he's in the public eye, but a lot of us have access to a role model that we can see and follow and watch and emulate, even if we don't have access to that person as a mentor uh, or a coach. And, and I think it can be uh, powerfully effective for us to have someone that provides that sort of I hate to exaggerate it, and this sounds like an exaggeration, but kind of a true north, someone that we're, we can say, okay, I want to do that. Devin, I think you're saying that it's important to have those people who set the standard for us. And I want to make the distinction, though, we don't want to copy anyone necessarily. We just want to stand on the shoulders of the giants that came before us, right? Right. Yeah, like you had um, uh entrepreneur on fire guy on your show uh Oh, John, John Lee, Lee Dumas. Dumas. He was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. So you and I both have shows that we do, and uh, it would be silly for us to try and do everything that John Lee Dumas does. As fabulous as he is, if we were to copy him literally verbatim, ask the same questions, have the same guests, we would we would not be successful. No one would need us to do what he is already doing. We've got to do something different. But that doesn't mean John Lee Dumas can't be a great role model for us, right? As we develop our show, that we can't, we can learn a lot from him without uh, copying everything he does. Love it, Devin. Now, forgive me for jumping around here a little bit, but the next question is this: Do you love to win or hate to lose, and why? I'm I'm kind of a neither, um, and and that sounds terrible, but I'm one of the least competitive people I know, and and that is unequivocally a, a, a problem for me in some respects uh, because that competitive desire that that most people feel and that I relate to sure I, I I'm competitive uh, at times and you know participating games and sports and so I get it but but um, but my lack of that competitive instinct is, certainly a a problem for me and uh so it's it's something to think 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 about Devin, give us something actionable here what are you doing to wind down after a long or stressful day um i love to hang out with my wife and i you know so we oftentimes will just crash on the sofa and watch a little bit of television together and i that sounds so incredibly lame <laughs> but but I, you know, I travel all around the world uh, for my work. I was in Pakistan and, and the Dominican Republic already this year and on multiple trips around the country this year. Um, and so going out holds a lot less appeal uh, for me uh, than for some other people. So I just, you know, to have a quiet evening at home, that, that for me is about as good as it gets. 
great stuff. I am the exact same way. Now, we're winding down here. I want to ask you this. What is the one thing, Devin, you want to share with our listeners about driving positive change and just doing some good to make a positive impact on the world? I think the number one thing is to start doing something and to be consistent with it, whatever you want to do. So identify a social change you want to achieve. Identify some activity you can do to uh, advance it. It could be as small as recycling your water bottles. It could be as grand as, uh, you know, launching a nonprofit and an organ. But whatever it is, start and be consistent, persevere, keep doing that consistently because that Im- the impact of that over time will be huge. Uh, but the key is to start doing it and stop talking about, thinking about and dreaming about doing it and actually start doing it. And Devin, I think our listeners understand that talk is not action, and I don't think there's any shortage of drive and consistency amongst the Small Business Society, so thanks for that. Now, what does the future look like for you and your business? Well, for me, my goal is to always be building my audience. You can you can relate to that. I'm convinced that my ability to affect the change I want is tied closely to my ability to reach more people. So as I think about my my business in the future, over the last several years, I've identified having reached several million people, probably on the order of three million people. Over the next two years, I'd like to take that tally from three to about 10, um, which will require me to just a little bit more than double the number of people I'm reaching each year. And then, of course, I'd like to see it continue to grow over the years to, to where we get to the point where we're reaching millions of people every year. Devin, we want to help you do just that. If people want to learn more about you and your business, how can they connect with you? So people can find uh, me at uh, yourmarkontheworld.com is the, the primary platform for my content. You can find my show on YouTube at youtube.com slash Devin Thorpe. You can find my speaker page at devinthorpe.com. And you can find my Forbes page at Forbes.com slash site slash Devin Thorpe or just go to Forbes.com and search Devin Thorpe. Devin, you've been so generous with your time today. Thank you for joining us on Bidzy Small Business Society. You take care. Thank you. It's been a thrill. Bidzy.com is the website that connects customers and respected local businesses. Customers list goods or services they need and businesses bid on them. Customers, if you're looking for a service provider or a local professional, go to Bidzy.com and post your projects for free. Businesses, if you're looking for new customers or a way to expand your customer base, sign up for your 30-day free trial today at Bidzy.com. Thank you for joining us today on Bidzy Small Business Society. Go to Bidzy.com for information and resources on how you can grow your business. Support Bidzy Small Business Society by writing a review and giving us a five-star rating in iTunes. Your positive review and five-star rating will allow us to continue bringing you free, valuable content from amazing and inspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners. Rate and review Bidzy Small Business Society today. 